All right, there we go. We got a microphone. One, two, there we go. All right, nope. Let's see, let's see, let's see. We are, okay, we're testing out a new microphone today. Uh, Couldn't get it on, but it's on now. Eric Sean and the Missouri Sports Hall of Famer, Jess Bolin in studio, inviting you to join us here in the huddle. If I can get the microphone uh, situation worked out. Here is our EBOMD huddle hotline. It is 573-334-1220. The huddle hotline powered by EBOMD. Jess Bolin in the house. You look tired. Well, you're ru- better, you're better ru- than rubbing, than... rubbing your face. You you look like maybe maybe uh, you're a little little winded. Well, it's uh, better to leave my mic off. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I had a bad night. Simo lost women and men, and uh, then the blues put me to sleep. <clears throat> trying to watch them, they were the ultimate ineptitude last night. So, Simo had a chance to win, though, the men's game. I watched that and felt like they had a chance to win that game late. But um, too many free throws, Eric. And, uh, you know, at the last part of the game, they sent the wrong guy to the free throw line. Of course, that's what the other teams want you to do. I asked Corn about that. I said, why just let Keenan Cole... Well, sometimes you don't have a choice. Run to the ball. Yeah, you do. You double-team him. You make make the inbounds play come to someone who's like Bean. Great, good player, way worse free throw shooter than Cole is. Anyway, I asked him about that, and he said, "You know, maybe we should have face guarded him." That 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 didn't lose the game. The Red Hawks had their chances yeah, oh, late yeah. in the game. Yeah, they did. They didn't have a three pointer till Ursher hit that at the end. With one point one second left, that's yeah. that's when he hit the three. Simo had gone four hundred eighty games with a made three. And they were 0 for 9. They kept the streak alive, but uh, unfortunately, uh, they lost the game. Um, I would have bet you money. Now, one of the big things is that Keenan Cole shot all the free throws late. But you're talking about a team in an an 11-team conference. Lindenwood hit their final 14 consecutive free throws to close out the game. 14 for 14. In the second half, they were 15 for 16. And turnovers didn't help you. Yeah. Simo you know, got out, scored 19-4 points on turnovers. I didn't turnovers. know what, the, you know, how many they had, but it looked, seemed like they had 20 of them. They had 18 turnovers, but it was 19-4 points off turnovers. And, that, and that's yeah. the stat that Coach Corn looks at at the end yeah, of the game. Yeah, that's when it beat you. The free throws, that's great that they made that many. It's unusual to make 14 straight. But uh, that's the risk you take when you stick somebody at the line, especially Cole. What's an eighty-five percent shooter at the uh, line? Eighty-one. Yeah. yeah. So it's pretty good chance he's going to make his. Uh, but the points off turnovers—that's devastating. Fifteen-point difference. You know, it's that's too many. It wasn't a great game in that it was low scoring. There wasn't a bunch of offense. There were some high, highlight real plays. I didn't man. think either team was going to make it to 20 yeah. in the first half. It was 20 to 18 at halftime. So very low scoring, but that's what you expect. They're the two lowest scoring teams in the league in conference play. So you expected a low scoring game. That's just the way it is. So you don't really say it's great defense. It's just 
kind of what you expect. Well, Simo played pretty good defense against his team, but the 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 bottom line is um, right now to me, and we're going to talk about this Tom Davis column in Simo Ball. Right now, the Red Hawks they just don't have a talented and experienced enough roster, especially on offense. I agree. I mean, they have no starters back from last year. You say, wait, wait, why Why is their record what their record is now? They don't have a single starter Well, you've got to have that guy that bails you out. Not one starting player. Now, did a Quan Smart and Josh Early start a few games last year? Yeah, they weren't starters. Quan Smart was hurt during the tournament. He wasn't in there helping them win the OVC championship. They don't have any starters back. Branson was a starter, but, you know what, he's played in seven games, something like that. He's hurt again. It's not his fault. So you've got all new starting players. And right now, uh, offensively, that it's just a massive struggle. Uh, the Red Hawks are last in scoring in conference games, next to last in field goal percentage, last in three-point shooting. I mean, offensively, it's a challenge. They need... Games like that. They need games like the SAU Edwardsville game where they won 52 to 47. They're just not going to put up a lot of points. Maybe uh, some of these guys evolve and they get better on offense, but I mean, you just don't have a. Lot they don't of... have that go to guy. I'm no, sorry. They not just yet. don't. And uh, last a night, guy that bails you out when you when you went three minutes without a field goal, you said give it to him a couple times in a row down the court. Somebody can make a shot. And I think Josh Early can... shoot at the end of the game, and you got a good chance. He's like Ursher hit that shot at the end of the game there, but it didn't really mean much. You know, it just brought him closer. you got to have the guy hits that shot when the game is tied. And they don't really, I don't know who it is if they got one. In the Southern Indiana game, it was Rob Martin, right? One time this year. I mean, he yeah. had a great game, like something like 24 points at the game-winning shot, took over late in the game. But last night, he he didn't score. He had four turnovers, and he was parked on the bench for most of the second half because Brad Korn went with B.J. Ward, the freshman. So Rob Barton was not in there for the big moments of the game and for a big chunk of the second half. Coach Korn knows his personnel, and Rob Martin wasn't out there. He didn't score. You're talking about your leading scorer on your team uh, had an off day. Everybody can't be on every game, right? And it just that was the way that it went last night. But when you've got five new starting players, some guys, some teams can recruit from the portal, and they recruit really good, experienced players. SEMO doesn't have a lot of that. You look at the guys that they've gotten from the portal. Josh Early averaged five minutes a game over three seasons at Tulsa. Rob Martin, basically a freshman. He played in 12 games, garbage time at Indiana State. Braxton Stacker, 12 games, garbage time at Murray State. They didn't get any meaningful minutes as true freshmen. Now they're starters here at SEMO. Whereas a lot of times in the portal, Jess, you see guys who have played 100 games. They've got 900 career points at their previous school, and you bring them in, proven scorers and proven players. Uh, that That's not the roster 
that the Red Hawks have. Well, look at the right Ru- look at Russell, who left. He was your leading scorer, wasn't he? It was, was it a, him or Harris? He was the second leading scorer in the league. Harris was the fifth leading scorer well, in the okay, league. Okay, there's a guy that walked away from you that was just like you was just mentioning, maybe coming here. You know, getting one of those kind of guys. And the Red Hawks were caught by surprise when Keith Pickens, assistant coach, took a job at Arlington, and then Russell went with him. They weren't recruiting a scorer, a scoring point guard, because they had one in Philip Russell. And Coach Korn basically told me, hey, we could have gone to the portal and find a guy that's going to come in and score 17, 18 points a game at the point guard position. But we didn't know, and by the time we knew and Russell was gone, it was too late. And right now, they just don't really have an offensive leader. Now, if you would if you would say who's the offensive leader most nights lately, seven out of the last eight games, Early. Josh Early has been in double figures. He had a double-double yeah. last night, 19 points, 11 rebounds. But other than that. I always that, felt they could get more out of him than you. And they have. Because he, he's so good in the low point, uh, in the paint deep under the goal. He's one of those old true basketball players, Eric, uh, the play center that plays with their actual back to the goal. You don't see a lot of them anymore. But he does have that little semi-hook. Right or left-handed, and I always thought he had a soft shot off the boards. I always felt like they could get more offense out of him, and it's showing up now. He really is playing well. So Tom Davis put out an article. It wasn't an article. It's a column. There's a difference. He wrote a column, an opinion-pieced column last night, and the headline on the column, SEMO basketball is broken, but thankfully I have a solution. His solution is recruit all the local players, get them all in a room, and get all of the big dollar boosters and start signing these guys to NIL contracts and give them cars and money and all that stuff like other programs do. That sounds good. Okay, But bringing in the local guys, I get so tired of the narrative, we got to have the local kids. We'll fill up the Show Me Center. Look at the Christmas tournament. It's full. Local kids. But they're in high school. Are they D1 players? That's what I mean. How many they're, D1 players are going elsewhere impacting they're in high school. their teams? Now, yes, there are occasional Southeast Missouri kids that go and have success at Division One. SEMO is recruiting all of the D1 talent you can do recruit, in Southeast Missouri right now. Recruit. Brad Korn and his assistants are at the games. You saw him there watching Jadis Jones the other night. When they played Notre Dame, right? You said you sat there and watched Jadis Jones play. Absolutely. He's, Coach Carn spoke to me when he came in. You can't always get that guy. It sounds great to keep them local guys here, keep them here. <laughs> they want to get away. Cam, they, they Cam, William, get... Cam Williams from Cape Central did not want to come here. Now, might he come here later? Maybe. He's at Moberly right now. They, they gave him the full court press. He wanted to go play at Moberly. And, you know, I... I would go back to some of the guys that I had, you know, that that were in college and maybe coming out of high school or American Legion. I wouldn't take a kid unless he's out of American Legion. But Scott Little's an example. You know him. He come out of Scott City, man. I mean, he was the talk of the state. I mean, every, you know, he was a really, really good player. You could play him at short. You could pitch him. You could catch him. You could play him anywhere, and he could fly with a cannon arm. Everybody wanted him. 
Simo, you think they want him? Of course. Of course they'd like to have him. Local kid, outstanding star in the state. Look it up. Google it. Don't believe me. But he went to Missouri because Missouri wanted him. <laughs> and then he wound up going to JUCO. But I don't know if it's grades or what. But anyway, the big schools like that, if they want to... Jones or anybody else around here, it's hard to get them. You know, you might want them and recruit all you can. It's hard to get them when Missouri University or Alabama or somebody like that. I get sick of this ridiculously lazy narrative that if a guy doesn't go to SEMO, SEMO wasn't even interested. SEMO didn't even recruit this guy. You don't know that. That is laziness on your part. Now, have there been coaches in the past? Rick Ray, maybe, uh, might not have uh, have given the full-court press to Fred Thatch. I don't know, but I do know right now this coaching staff is all over every player in southeast Missouri that is projected to be a Division One player. Well, so and, and I get tired of We just have to have the local kid. The local kid. Well, can he play? It's Division One. I. I don't care if Simo plays in a lower level conference. It's Division One basketball, and so Davis puts out his article. It's all fun and good. The program is not broken. They are struggling. They just went to the NCAA tournament That's last year with say, a completely who, different who, team. Who won it last it's not year? Broken. Who, who won OVC last year? And I read the I read the comments underneath so far, and there will be more comments on this SimoBall.com story. And it's a column that will elicit response, especially the curmudgeons that want to complain. And I see multiple comments about, see, never should have left Division Two. Go back to Division Two. Shut up with your Division Two crap. They can't compete. They just went to the tournament. Go look how many conference championships in all their sports that they have at Division One in the last four or five years. Shut up with Division Two. It's over. It was a glorious time for SEMO men's basketball. Glorious. It was fabulous. It's over. It is over. Well, I'll put it this way. I'm going to defend Davis's right to write what no, he wants I'm not, to. I'm not hammering his as article. A, no, as a journalist, he's got that right. Sure. And he's got his right to his opinion. It's just that... You're not seeing the big picture if you say it's broken. Sure, they got a down year going this year, but what last year, that was an outstanding team. Great team to watch, didn't you think? With the offense they had and everything, you had three guys on there that were super players for your program. Maybe they wouldn't have been at a big school. You know, I'm talking about UCLA or or some of these big uh, big monsters in basketball. Kentucky, places like that. But for us, here in southeast Missouri, they were really stars. Harris, Russell, Israel, some of these guys they had on this team. So I, I can't agree with him that it's broken. I agree with I respect his opinion as far as his right to say what he wants, but I can't agree with him, no. Aquan Smart started 25 games last year of the 36, so he started a lot of games. Other than that, no starters. Josh Early played in 31 games last year. You know how many games he started? Zero. They've got five new starters with Smart, 
a guy that has started. Branson started a bunch of games last year, but he's hurt. He hadn't been able to play. He has not been able to play. They've got the guys that they count on that you want on the floor at the end of the game to start the game as well, and it's not always the starters that you trust in the final few minutes, but more often than not, yes, those are the guys that you're going to have on the floor in a big game or in, in a big spot late in a ball game, especially a close game. Would you agree? Yes. This Division Two narrative, man, stop with it. They're Division One and they're successful in almost every sport. Just go look at the championships. Do they play in a high-level conference? No, they don't. It's Division One. That's why I say in this school, in our town, these guys that last year of Harris and Russell, some of these people were stars, and they were enjoyable to watch. I just, I, last year, I tell you, when the Red Hawks would play, and I sit in on every home game with you and pretty well watched every game on the road, they were enjoyable to watch. I mean, it was fun basketball, didn't you think? And they were champions of the OVC. So you expect them to do that every year? No, it's not going to happen to anybody where you just simply do it every year unless you do UCLA back in the 60s, I guess, or 70s. It's, um, it's a bad year. This year has been a bad year for SEMO basketball. I don't think anybody would deny that. Any coach on the team would deny that. They're struggling right now. Yeah. But you know what? The season's not over. No, but one year, and, one year of a struggle after you went to the NCAA tournament, you got to go D two. Shut it down. <laughs> shut it down. Go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna need to shut you down. How many Division two teams play in a freaking facility like the Show Me Center? Now, did it get built primarily because of the success Shoemate and yeah. the Indians had? Right. Did they build it specifically for SEMO, or is it a multi-dimensional facility? It's not like go to Austin P. Murray State. Those are university properties. University and nobody can has get it. on the court, but unless they, it's the university's yeah. building, that's not the case with the Show Me Center. I want somebody to start sending me photos of Division Two facilities. Division two programs are playing a facility like that. They've got D1 facilities. They are a D1 program. And this particular program just hit its pinnacle last year and is trying to get more of a foothold with all new players, at least starters. I still think SEMO could be a lot better by the season's end this year. Yeah. Because you talk about these guys not starting, they, they weren't. But look at Josh Early. He never started a game last year, I don't think, did he? Zero. And look look how well he's playing. And he may get better yet. He's your best player right now. So the season's about half over in OVC. What if I was coaching that team, which thank God I'm not, uh, I, I would direct my attention to my players of, look, this second half, let's try to improve every game. Let's try to get to a point where we're a threat when we get to the OVC tournament. And they may very well respond to something like that. They may very well say, okay, wipe out the past. We ain't going to worry about what happened yesterday. Let's just see what we can do today and get better. I know when when we were bombed in Wichita 
by the eventual national champions, Havasu Heat, Arizona. Uh, they scored 12 runs in the first inning. Of course, we m- made it better. We made three errors in the first inning. But I remember talking to my team. They'd come out the field, and it's 12 to nothing. And I remember telling them, look, we're probably not going to win this game, okay? But I'll tell you this. Let's see if we can outplay them the rest of the game. Just the rest of the game, outplay them. And we did. We outscored them 5 to 2 or something like that. And so if it wasn't for the first inning, we we probably would have had a chance to win. Maybe, maybe not. You can't always assume you still score outscoring five to two. And, you know, if you got them out in the first, maybe you wouldn't have. But the bottom line is try to get better, even on that day. Show people that you had a right to be there. And Southeast got that chance in the next, well, they got eight games left in OVC. They've got They've got nine games left. Okay, last nine night, games. Last night was the midway point. They've played every team except Tennessee State and Eastern Illinois, and they'll play Tennessee State next week. You know, it's not the idea, too, that you're going to go to Moorhead and win. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying get better, be very tough to beat at home, and get better on the road. Last night they played a pretty decent game. If they hadn't turned the ball over as much, they probably would have won it. So eliminate some of these mistakes Cut down on your problems, shoot your free throws, make them, and you'd be amazed how good this team could look by the end of the year if they did some of these things and cleaned it up. Now, Davis knows that. You know it, and I know it. It's nothing new. But I think I see enough talent there that they could. I'm not saying they win OVC, okay? But I see enough talent there that they could be a lot better by the season's end with more playing time for guys that didn't get to play a lot last year. So, but they need somebody to come through, whether it's uh, early or smart. Rob Martin, smart. Martin, smart. Smart can do so many different things. Yeah, they need those guys to step it up and become a little better, consistently better is what I'm talking about. They, They can have a great game, but consistently better. Uh, to be able to do what I'm talking about doing. I understand that. I mean, you can't just say, let's be better as we go along. I mean, everybody's striving to do that. If you're, if you, Even if you're undefeated, you want to still stay that way or get better. But this team is enough talent there, I believe. They don't have the talent, nothing like they did last year. Nobody's going to kid each other about that. But I see enough there that, they could play a much better basketball game than they're doing. And uh, and maybe they will. Maybe they will. Uh, now, I don't know how good Cape Central's Jaden Reynolds is going to be next year. He's coming. They need to get Marquel Murray. They're recruiting him. He's a sophomore. They would love probably to have P.J. Farmer. Will he stay? They want Jaden Jones, Jadis Jones, could they get Jadis Jones? That would be great. It would be great yeah, for Tom Davis's of... thing if you could get all these money people that want to back SEMO and work out some NIL deals to help try to get some of these kids. But it's not just going to get solved by local players. They're going to have to get in the portal, get in the portal, and get some players. They know that. They're going to do that. 
Well, I'm not going to knock Jones because I was sitting there watching him. I only see him play one game. I'm not knocking him. No, they need I'm him. talking about me, okay, oh, yeah. not you. Uh, because I remember sitting there with a basketball guru, really, I think, uh, Richard Lawrence. I mean, he's he knows as much about basketball as anybody else I know. But we were talking about him, you know, and the first four baskets that he made in that game were dunks. That's okay. That's fine. He 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 gets in close. I mean, he's he's got that ability. But I remember saying one thing to him. He's great, and this is high school. But when you get in college, especially D one, you got a guy standing there between you and the basket that may have something. To, it may be a little tougher to do. Is what I'm saying. The excellence you see right now. Otherwise, all these guys, these big, really good players around here. Where do they go and dominate? Name me, well, name me some places where some outstanding players in Southeast Missouri went to a Division One and dominated. Besides Porter, uh, maybe. And, and, and there have been some guys. Sure, but name them. Porter's one of them. Guys off the top of my head: uh, uh, Kenyon Hodges had a really good year for Eastern Illinois a few years back. Eastern Illinois, that's Aust- OVC. Austin P had a kid. Jackson- no, tell me Jacksonville that- State has had some SEMO players. Somebody, somebody went to Georgia or Florida State or Missouri or, you know, somebody in the SEC. So tell me who's, you know, who's done. What I'm saying is these guys are really good around here but they also when they move up in competition especially division 1 don't expect to see a guy like Jones or somebody like that dominate in the OVC i just you know they may be really good but and i hope they are i hope they do get if they get to see more, I hope they do dominate i think jadis jones would be a really good ovc player i do too I do too. I'd love I mean, to see I look him. at a guy like last night. I'd love night. to see him go to SEMO, but what I'm saying is he may not get by with standing around in the paint and dunking in the OVC. How many how dunks you see a game? Maybe two with a guy like Stacker slamming it down or, you know, somebody like that. But you don't see a lot of that in OVC. You, the first four shots he made down there was all dunks. He needs to be able to shoot better from outside. That's my opinion. Now, Davis had his opinion. Lindenwood has a point guard named Darius Bean. Okay, I know. I point him. guards. Okay, you see that kind of game? Jadis Jones can play that kind of game. You know how many... This is a point guard. You know how many three-point baskets Darius Bean has this year? None, probably. Three. Yeah. <clears throat> is he having success even though he's not a pure shooter? And can Jadis Jones get better with his shot? And I'm not saying that he that he has a bad shot. Well, you're also projecting that he can be the guy that Bean is. Maybe he can. Maybe he can't. There's nothing wrong with being a good outside shooter. Coastal Carolina thought that he could. You need to uh you need to be a pretty good outside shooter, I think. He's was he six six, six five? Jones? Right. So I'd love to see him go to SEMO. I think he's got so much upside that I'd love to watch him develop. But far as coming in and dominating, I don't know. I don't. He got to show me first. I mean, uh, I think he could be that kind of player. But Russ, I've had a lot of guys come to me that I thought would be unbelievable because of what they've done in high school or le- legion ball stuff like that, and couldn't do a thing. 
Rusty Hendricks said, I've seen a lot of high school basketball for the last 10 years. We know that. That's what he does. His job is high school sports for us. And he said, Jadis Jones is the best <coughs> player in our area since Fred Thatch. Well, had a ter- terrific that. career. I'm Saint, not knocking Jada Jones. I'm not okay? saying you are. I'm just, I'm reading, just saying, I'm, I'm reading Rusty I'm Hendricks' text. When you move up to that level in Division One, it <laughs> you got to get better. I don't care how good he is. You still got to get better. And one of the things, of course, I saw one game, okay? I can't. I'm not really going to judge this kid. Did he dominate? He did in the first part of the game. And then I wasn't there the last quarter, so I don't, yeah. Well, he's going to dominate most high school games. I don't think anybody takes the floor can out jump him, for instance. And he, his ball handling skills right now are good. They're very good for a guy's size. So I don't have any problem thinking he could break into Simo's lineup maybe and be f- freshman starter. But I do think it's always important. If you're a mid-range player, like a Michael Jordan, okay, he's six foot six six, but could he shoot outside? <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. Not when he first came up, he couldn't. Uh, well, <laughs> you go look at his numbers. Michael Jordan developed a three-point shot. He go. was not okay. A... Now you're agreeing with me. Yes, I said just a while ago he needs to develop a better outside shot. Almost every high school player, especially at this level. They have that to work. It's big. They have to work on things, and that's what the coaches are for. Yeah, and, and especially you take a guy like Jaden Jones. He doesn't have to score from outside. You know, he's that he's that good. Um, if he was six two, maybe he'd need to be a lot better outside shooter. That's how but tall. He, that's how tall Darius Bean is. But he, he can he, get to the he goal. Can, he can't shoot. Jones can get to the goal. Yes, he can. And when he, because he's a he's a skilled ball handler. You don't have to watch but one game to see that that he can handle the ball. He actually handled the ball. Of course, this gets Notre Dame. Notre Dame's not really a very good type basketball team. I don't think. I think they've had a lot better teams in the past, but they were pressing, and he could bring up the ball with no problem. You know, so that's what you like to see. If you, if I was scouting him. What can he do when people are hanging all over him? You think so, calls? I don't. Uh, I don't think there'll be a, a way that he doesn't succeed in college. I think he will be great in college. But the divi- he's got you got division, the division one school in this town and their coaching staff agrees with you. Yeah, he they he, he, they are putting the full court press on him. I put it this way: if I was coaching, I'd be right after him, just like they are. They're all over him. Yeah. And he seems like a very good young man. I, I, I did notice him uh, when he was being interviewed and stuff. You know, he seems real courteous and real nice kid, too. So, yeah, that makes it just a plus-plus. You taking calls? Yeah. We head to the EBOMD Huddle Hotline. Mike jumps in the huddle. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, gentlemen. Um, you don't break something in a year. It, it's not broke. It needs to be tweaked. And, Eric, how good a recruiter would you say Brad Korn is? We don't know yet. I mean, he was a great recruiter uh, at his previous schools. He rec- he recruited uh, Philip Russell. I know Russell had committed to SEMO earlier, but he came back. 
Uh, some of the players that he recruited, he had to bring guys in, Mike, during COVID. They couldn't even come on campus. They couldn't do visits. They had to talk on Zoom calls. So I don't think I don't think the grade is in as far as Corn and his assistant coaches as far as recruiting. And uh, a lot of the recruiting guys goes through the assistant coaches. What has happened to Corn's assistant coaches? They've been poached yeah. to other programs. He's replacing assistant coaches on a yearly basis. So that is a, another factor in the recruiting process. The, you talked about the portal, and you can go to the portal and fix almost anything anymore the way it is. I, I think with the point guard leaving last year, I, I think that just that killed you because, like you said, you didn't recruit for that. I think give him this year, yeah, it's a down year. Let's see what he does as far as recruiting goes, as far as the portal goes. And let's see how he's doing next year. You can't call it broke yet. You just can't do it. I don't understand, which I, I do understand why he wrote it too. He wrote it to get us to talk about it just like we are today. Yes, and I like a lot of things in the article. I'm not slamming the article. I'm slamming the headline. It is not broken. And yep. this is a key year for this coaching staff and recruiting. And yep. let's see what their recruiting class is. Right now, Dennis Gates took Mizzou, Jess, last year to the NCAA tournament, and they won a game in the tournament. This year, they're going to finish last in the SEC, but he's got a top-five recruiting class in the country. Not in the SEC, in the country, coming in. Let's see what happens with his big recruiting class coming in. Let's see. First of all, we've still got half of a conference season to play this year. Let's see what the recruiting class is coming in next year. Now, they recruited Rob Martin. He's the starting point guard. Is he Philip Russell? No, of course not. But could he be a Philip Russell type in terms of being able to score the basketball? We'll see. They're about the same size, right? Yep. Well, um, Coach Karn made this statement, I think. Now, I'm not going to quote him because I don't like to do that, for one thing. But I think I read where he made the statement or listened on the interview that you had with him that they may go to recruiting a little bit more in junior college basketball, which I think that could bump you up there pretty quick, too. There's a lot of good JUCO players that might be available because he's gotten – Seems like he's gotten several freshmen on his recruit. Well, Dada was a freshman when he recruited, and so was set, uh, set, From overseas, uh, handback. handback recruited him as a freshman. Yeah. El Camille basically didn't play at Tulsa. Marquez Bell you want is a, a freshman. Hit. And you talk about Stacker and Martin, who barely played at their schools last year. They're kind of a freshman plus. You know yeah, what I mean? It, it, a quick hit, though, can really help you is a couple of JUCO stars to bring yeah. in. And they're probably most likely to stay there two years because they're yep. going in their junior year. So I, yep. I I don't know where I heard that. Maybe I don't want to quote him, but I think I think he said that on an interview. You can check it out that he might go to recruiting some more JUCO players. Very few player teams, coaches, programs have not adjusted their recruiting model to cycle out their previous 
ultra high interest in freshmen. Right. That's, they are getting right. transferred. It's the portal. It's different now. It's just different. It is. It is. And uh, you used to draft a guy or <laughs> draft a guy, sign a guy <laughs> that you think that you could develop and you see a future for him, say, by his junior year being All-American. You can't do that anymore because you're not going to have him if he's that good. Somebody else is going to dip down and get him or he's going to say, I got a more greener pasture over here. Which so is it which is, is a different era. What Philip Russell basically? Yeah, it's a different era, said. and you know, I I coached fifty years. If you think I could be the same coach and coach first five years that it was the last five years, you're silly. You got to change with what happens in the world, and right now it's a different world. Would you say, Mike? Yep, you've got to adapt with the times, Jess. That, that that's what you have to do. And if you can't adapt with the changing times then you're not going to be a good coach. You're not going to have the players to be a good coach. You may have be a great coach, but your players still aren't going to come unless you adapt with the changing times. Well, we'll get better I, players once we go back to Division Two, Mike. Oh, yeah, I heard you say that a while ago. I, I, don't get ridiculous. him started on that again. Good Lord. Yeah, don't get Redhead fired up again. Jeff. I had to take we, we my gotta... headphone off and hold my ears. I love it. Now, refresh my memory, because I'm very forgetful anymore. When Took took over the football program, wasn't wasn't there calls like this when he first took the football program over? Yes. Look what happened. You've got to give it time. You cannot have a knee-jerk reaction and say it's broken. And people are going to say, people are going to say, it's been 23 years between NCAA tournament appearances. You had 23 years to get the program up and running and competing for an OVC championship. Uh, so they need to go back to Division Two because of one program within the athletic department with all of the freaking championship trophies over the last five years that are over at Southeast Missouri State. And they just made it back. And you got yeah. five new starters. Shut it down. We we can't Here we we're, go. Not, we're, we're not we're not playing we're not playing good enough after we went to the NCAA tournament an unprecedented run a five seeded never won the tournament four wins four days what five new starters and you're not at the top of the league shut it down I feel like I need to say Amen <laughs> I need to have him come and preach at my church yeah Hell, you can't go sleep in his church. Real quick, let's change the subject just for a second. You were talking yesterday, and you played the clip from Ollie Marmol about how Mosaic does not interfere in day-to-day things on the field. He does. Does that kind of give you an idea? Maybe Ollie's in over his head on what he's doing for a, a young manager like him. Because if Mosaic's not pulling the strings and telling him to do this and do that. And he's doing it on his own. It makes me have to wonder about Ali Mall, or am I off base here? I've I've said multiple times, Jess. I don't, I I don't know how good of a manager Ali Marmol is. From what I saw last year, not very good. Year before had a bunch of veterans, and they had a way better pitching coach. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. You know, and and they they had a really good year. 
sorry, the jury's out, and I'm leaning toward and have been. I'm not a fan of Ali Marmo. I like him. I like his press conferences. I like what he has to say a lot of times. But I saw the drastic drop-off in fundamentals and defense and all the things that we have seen as the Cardinal way. George Kissel would have just vomited if he watched last year's team and their fundamentals. They, they've got they've to make a jump up, and or know, it's directly on the manager. What's bad about that, too, is the year before, the Cardinals had the best efficiency base runner in the league as yeah. far as you know, getting thrown out on base, stuff like that. And they, in one year, they just was simply ballistic. They'll go I mean, back to being that good base running team this year because Matt Carpenter's back. You know how good of a base runner he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But that, what I'm saying is, if the word isn't coming down from Mosaic, you have to play this guy, or you have to play that guy. And Marmol is making those decisions on his own, and this guy is not producing, yet he runs him out there every day. Then we know who to blame. Mosaic yeah. saying you have to, then doesn't that make you wonder about Marmol's ability to judge talent and putting them out there? You know, I know it sounds like I'm calling him a liar. I don't want to call him a liar, Jess, but I I just don't believe it. There are so many teams, and, you know, when Scruggs and Marmol were talking, they basically both conceded that front offices are doing this, but the Cardinals are somehow immune and they don't do it. I mean, what's all? Let's say he's telling the truth. Okay, great. Then, buddy, you better get it done this year because it's all on you. If it does happen, what is Marmol going to say? Mike Schilt just got fired because he disagreed with John Mosellock. What's Marmol going to do? Go on a national interview with Xavier Scruggs from MLB Network and say, yeah. Yeah, our, our why... president interferes. He tells me what lineup to fill out. <clears throat> he tells me that this guy needs more playing time. Absolutely, I'm a puppet. That's why those kind of interviews I can take, you know, with a grain of salt because yep. they're going to answer. It's going, and you'd be silly if you want to stay there and manage. You you can't get on the air and start ripping the guy that's your boss. I mean, come on, who does that? Right. Right, you know, well, and so those kind of questions are might as well just sidestep those and go more to fundamental questions about the sport because, but they, everybody wants that gotcha question that puts you in a position to cause controversy, and yeah, exactly. so that's exactly what they do it for. And uh, their ratings they ain't worried about yours; they're really not worried about your job or nothing else. Just give me a couple of statements that's going to go ballistic, you know. <laughs> Well, I'll leave you with this thought. This is Marmol's last year of his contract. Mosellac has already said he's not coming back next year. You've got a guy waiting. Whoa, in the wing. whoa, whoa, whoa! You, 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 you have heard John Mosellac say this is his last year. Yes, sir. I, I heard that somewhere on, yep. on Bally Sports. Yeah, I heard Mose- it too, Mike. Mosaic Lake said he probably would not be back next year. I don't year. think he it was a definitive answer. Yes, he's going to be gone. I don't. I didn't see that, but I did no, that, see I, him. I'm just saying it's news to me. Yeah, I, I saw him say, I heard him say something about uh, Stepping next down year. Stepping down at the end of yeah. this year. Yeah. Yep. He sure did. And I think that's one of the reasons they hired the guy from Boston. I do, too. To, to 
I do too. Because I don't know if they feel like Gersh. I don't know if they feel like Gersh is the guy. You know, I don't either. And uh, so I agree with you. I think that's why the guy from Boston was hard. Don't you think Gersh doesn't know if he's the guy when they make this hire? Yeah, absolutely, he knows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, man, it doesn't getting... mean he's not going to be in a Cardinal organization, but I think Gersh could be shoved aside for this, this guy they just brought in. There are so many bright, up-and-coming potential executives in Major League oh, Baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Forward-thinking, modern-thinking. I, hey, trust me, I'm in the majority here of saying it's time to move on from John Mosaic. No offense. No offense. Yeah, he's been there a I long, yeah. long he, time. He, he's made some great trades, but his free agency record is awful. Not good. But what I was getting ready to say was you've got a guy named Yadier Molina who I really seriously think the Cardinals are thinking about stepping in as manager after Maul Maul's I call. think so, too, Mike. But they, they I, couldn't entice him to be a full-time coach here. Jesse's going to be a part-time guy, in and out, down back down to Puerto Rico. I know, but you dangle That's the managerial was, job. Uh, he's in the Cardinals. Cardinals want to make sure he's being paid by Cardinals. Not yes. some other team. Oh, you mean like Chris Carpenter not being paid by the Cardinals, working for another ball club? Should because... Be. Should be working for the Cardinals, Chris Carpenter. Don't you think so? Because Molina is going to be your next manager. Think so? I think I he think. will be. Yeah. And, and how do you think that's going to go over when Mosellac says, Yachty, bring in so-and-so because we've, we're paying him $10 million a year. you got to play him. How do you think that would go over? Well, I think it, it'd have a, a chance to go over in his first year. Uh, I think Yachty's first year, you might listen to people above you a little more than you will if you, for instance, if Frank Kona was in there. That's why they didn't hire him. Exactly. Because he was not a yes man. You couldn't do dominate him, and, you know. And let me ask you this. Be a Whitey Herzog type. If Mosellac pulls the strings and Marmal is basically a puppet, not like he can't make any decisions. That's not what I'm saying. Would Yadier Molina know what's going on there? Sure. Okay. Yeah. So then <clears throat> Molina has to decide, you know, how's this going to work? And they have purposely not gone back to hiring a guy like Tony LaRusso that you can't control. Well, They have brought in three guys things, that you can control. Those are things, though, you sit down and you discuss before you sign a contract. Yep. Look, uh, I, I know that this is the way it's been in the past. But if I'm managing, you've got to give me full control yeah. on the field. And that's the way I would be. If I was being interviewed for the job, I'd say, look, I'd say that. Look, I'm the guy that's in charge completely on the field, who plays, how much they pitch, everything else. If you want somebody don't like that, you're going to need to get somebody else. And that's one reason I think Mosellac said what he said at, you know, earlier in the year, that this could possibly be his last year as GM or as a president of operations because I think maybe he sees Yachty coming in there and Yachty's not going to be a yes man. I gotta, I gotta say, unless they make this big world series run, if Mosaic does step down, whether it's deserved or not fair or not, the man has go look at his resume. The man has a terrific resume, John Mosaic, but I will say, in Cardinal Nation, if Mosellock would step away, there would be balloon parties everywhere. 
Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, I can't they, prove I can't prove it. That's what I think. They might shoot fireworks off of Bush Stadium if he steps down, you know? And he's got a chance to change his legacy if these moves that he has made with these 62-year-old pitchers uh, work out and they are <laughs> able to make it through the season and start close to 30 games and give the Cardinals 200 innings. We'll see. Yep. We shall I see. I thought where it was a snail, I think, turned down a six-year, $270 million contract, or six-year, $180 million contract. He wants nine years, $270 million. Yeah, he's sniffing glue, Mike. Well, it's Boris. Yeah, no, it, no, it, Bor- it, it, Boris Boris is a glue sniffer sometimes, but, uh, yeah, he, he, he gets his guys paid. Yep. Guys, have a great week. You too. See ya. All right, there's Mike. Huddle hotline number powered by EBOMD five seven three 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 four. Twelve twenty. Quick timeouts. Huddle coming right back on Simo ES. It's the Sports Huddle. Simo ESPN twelve twenty ninety three five FM and online at Simo ESPN dot com. Eric Sean and the Missouri Sports Hall of Famer Jess Bolin. Uh, Jess the. Ratings for the AFC Championship game. The ratings for the AFC Championship game have come in. It is the most watched AFC Championship game ever. The Chiefs went over the Patriots 55.4 million viewers on average at the peak at the peak of the broadcast, 64 million, 5 million more than the NFC championship game. Because we had, the, we had the, the NFC championship numbers for you yesterday, and today we've got the AFC. Well, I think, don't you think that should be the way it is? I mean, the NFC, you had a, a rookie, young, not a rookie, but maybe Purdy, but a young quarterback, two-year quarterback. And you had an upstart Detroit team that's been nothing but low life for the last decade or two. And in uh, AFC, you had the best quarterback in all of football. And you had really statistically, and people would agree, that the best team in football was the Ravens. So it doesn't surprise me that, and, and there's Kansas City, the world champions, existing world champions. So I, they should be more than NFC. Now, in NFC, it, you know, if, if you had uh, Tom Brady playing for San Francisco or and stuff like this at his peak, that might be different. But I think people understand Kansas City Ravens is just a better pull. It's a better game. I, wouldn't you? If you had to pick one of those games to watch, which would it have been? Oh, uh, well, yeah. being a Chiefs fan. but Well, if you weren't a Chiefs the fan. The star power in the game. If you were just a sports fan. You've got the best quarterback in all of football playing with a world championship team against a team that's notified and everybody in the league and everybody fan that they are the best team in football. When you say the Ravens, before they played in the playoffs, before it started, when you say most people say the Ravens' best team? Well, they are. They have the best record. Yeah. And they've got the MVP. So why shouldn't they draw more people to watch the game than the NFC? Right. And... Here's one other narrative. That, I don't know. I understand that you have to promote the game 
and you talk about the stars, and more often times than not, you're talking about the star quarterback, right? Well, sure. So it is Patrick Mahomes versus Lamar Jackson. Is it really? It's not tennis. <laughs> no, it's not. It is not sport. tennis. <laughs> it is Lamar Jackson against Steve Spagnuolo's defense. It is Patrick Mahomes against the number one defense in the league in the Baltimore Ravens. Exactly. But I understand. And, yes, that's the way you look at it. Mahomes versus Jackson. It's always been that way, that people, Koufax against Gibson. You know, these guys are facing off. No, they're not facing off against each other. They're facing off the other team's offense. And, but that's what you, that's the highlight that gets people to tune in or grab a hole. If you say Mahomes against Jackson, that's a different story. So, yeah, don't worry. These people that do programming and, and, uh, Stuff like that. They understand what to put on that notification of who's playing and where and when and get the most chances of uh, viewers. they got to do that for their sponsors. But, but, but for all the sports talk hosts, I mean, that that's the narrative. It's going to yeah, be Lamar is. Jackson versus – and I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying if, it, if you really get down to it, they're not playing each other. No. It is right now. <clears throat> it, it is not tennis. It's like – Chris Carpenter versus Roy Halladay. Well, no, unless they're unless they're hitting, it'll be Halladay versus Carpenter. If Carpenter's got a bat in his hands, but those are the starting pitchers. They're not going head to head against each other. You know, you know what I'm saying? Mm, I, yeah, sure. But I understand, and it's not a critique. What's this? I, I got to understand one thing. What's this deal you've got about Carpenter? You ba- you bring him up. Several what, times. What he works for the Arizona Diamondbacks, I believe. I think it's the Diamondbacks. Uh, He's a consultant for them. Why, why? How? How can the Cardinals allow one of their greatest all-time pitchers and competitors to work for another team and not them? Well, I guess you can look at Albert Pujols too. He he's got a lifetime contract with the Angels, As but he per- came back and played with the Cardinals. Personal services contract, yeah. yeah. So he's under contract with the Angels while he's playing with the Cardinals. Right. Same so, with, same with Tony Larusa. So it's not just Carpenter that's ever done it or anything. I mean, but but he's a special consultant. He doesn't have a personal services contract. I just think when you've got an all time <coughs> great like that, an all time great Cardinal, why would you let another team pay him? You don't think he could help the St. Louis Cardinals organization? I don't know. I well, I, it, I, it, I, it angers I, me that Chris Carpenter is working for another organization. I mean, he still comes back, and I, I think the Cardinals signing Chris Carpenter was a good deal. I think he may help him. He's the type of guy that if I was managing, he can play a little second base. He can go out there and help you out if you need to. Probably first base and third base is what he, he played a lot, but. He's no, I'm, the talking, arm. I'm talking about the pitcher, Chris Carpenter. Oh, okay. I was talking. I'm talking yeah, about Matt Carpenter. Yeah, right. Matt Carpenter. Right. No, I can see. Well, you know, what do you mean he's with the Diamondbacks? No, Chris Carpenter is working yeah. as a consultant slash spring training guy with, I think it's the Diamondbacks. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is it the Angels? Anyway, it's one of those teams out west. Is Chris Carpenter's on the payroll? Yes. The Cardinals? No, no, not with the Cardinals. I'm saying, why is he not? Why? Why oh, yeah. are you allowing him as the okay. Cardinal organization? Yeah, we were on different pages. To not have Chris Carpenter in your organization, yeah, at we, some level. I I agree. We're on. We were on different pages. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So 
Chris well, Carpenter. I, I always mean, thought Chris Carpenter would be a good pitching coach, but maybe not. Uh, yeah. Uh, Bob Gibson, I always thought he'd be a good pitching coach, but he wasn't. Because these superstar pitchers can't understand why a guy can't get somebody out in a key situation. You know, it came easy for them, but that's why your average player makes a good manager because he had to struggle to get there and he had to do the little things to stay there. But as far as Matt Carpenter, I think uh, there's there's times where they may play him three or four days in a row because he gets hot and uh, he's a left-handed bat. So I don't have any problem with him signing him. Okay. He is coaching young pitchers with the Los Angeles Angels. Chris? Chris Carpenter. According to uh, my Google search here. So I said, I said Diamondbacks or Angels, some team out west. Apparently, it is the Angels, unless you know, unless he decides he, he's not going to well, do it this year. Well, who did the Cardinals year. sign him or get him from? Toronto. Who, Toronto, yeah. Cause injury he, after yeah, injury he, after injury. They got him, took a gamble on yeah. him and um, paid well, off. Walt Jockety took the gamble. Yeah. I mean, you talk about paying dividends. He was, he, he was pretty good GM, Walt Jockety. But when you talk about, and he didn't have the longevity, but when you talk about great Cardinals starting pitchers of all time, he's got a rank up there, right? Sure. I mean, obviously he's yeah. not Gibson. Yeah. You know, he didn't he didn't You gotta project what he'd done if he'd been healthy and he'd been out unbelievable. What are you doing the postseason yeah. for your team? What are you doing that big game against Halliday? Oh my goodness. Absolutely phenomenal. All right. We're going to get into, uh, I was going to play some Drew Bannister sound here from last night. Jess, the Blues played like a team last night that was looking forward to the 10-day break. Let's just get this thing over with. We've got plane tickets to the Bahamas. The family is leaving in the morning. Uh, or, you know, hey, I'm I'm going, we're flying to Hawaii, and I'm going to play golf during most... They look like a disinterested team against a bottom feeder in Columbus that had two of their best players out, and you lose one nothing. They look disinterested last night. Did, did you see something else? They look just like they did the first they third look like, of the season. Don't you think they look like the team that got Barube fired? Yeah. But, yeah. but the five wins in a row, I'm not going to take anything away from that. No, and they, going into the game, I don't know what happened with other teams. The Blues were in playoff second team wild card by two points, I think. And um but they had a chance to go up, you know, four against the team behind them. They are still <clears throat> they're in a three way tie with the Kings and the Predators with fifty four points right now for wild card. The last two wild spots. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And who's behind them? That's what I'm saying. The two Kraken points. are at 52 points. Yeah, they're two, two points. behind the the team that's chasing them. Then you got Arizona and Calgary at 49. Yeah, so it's they're in a jumbled mess. You ten, know? But they ten, were five points out here, what, what, a week ago? They were eight points yeah. out. Yeah. So we're talking uh, 10 days off now because of the All-Star break. But I don't think that I'm breaking any rocket scientist type news saying the blues look disinterested and were ready no. to go on their 10 day break. Oh yeah, they did. The season ended on their last 
a win against the Kings. All right, uh, Jess, you uh, – I want to say hello to the lovely and talented uh, Dawn Sean. She had a fun time last night at Lindenwood. She was – uh, there, uh, watching the Red Hawks and the Lions, so we had a we had a great evening. Would Did have been, you eat after the game? Would have been great. Everything was closed. Oh. We're driving home. It's after eleven o'clock. Everything is freaking closed. Well, the so way, we, way she cooked, she she should have she did them with it. She had already cooked it earlier go. in the day. She made <laughs> made right loose meat s- sandwiches. Oh yeah. And so we went home. We, I had that for lunch. That's probably better than you got in a restaurant. That's what I'm anyway. saying. So we went home, and yeah. that's what we ate. She heated it back up. Uh, so hello to her. She's got the day off again today. And, of course, uh, on this day. Uh-oh. Guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Julie. Hey, guess what day it is. Oh, come on. I know you can hear me. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is. It's hump day. Woo-hoo! All right, that means it is Wednesday, hump day, Wednesday <coughs> wisdom, and we have, uh, I, now I'm going to go out on a limb, because you're pretty consistent about it, new material. Uh, yeah, uh, well, if it's not new material, it's old material. Uh, I want to say how to my girls, too. In Columbia, there's none in Texas. Shells Shell, here? Shells in Columbia. All They're being cake right. tonight. That little so, little blonde-haired yeah, lady I'll is running around. I'll my family together this weekend, and thank God for that. Uh, you know, when we get together, we have an unbelievable great time. How about this little Wednesday wisdom for you? In Omaha, Nebraska, it's against the law to burp or sneeze in church. Now, since a sneeze is an involuntary reflex... I don't know how you stop that, do you? No, 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 no. Say it again. <coughs> what are the What are the things? It's against the law to sneeze or burp in church. Well, so the, you're you're free to pass gas. There we go. Yeah, it's not included. The burp, I guess you can control that a little bit. Kind of burp where it goes in your stomach and it, it blows up. But a sneeze, that's an involuntary reflex. You, you got no. You, can't you got stop that. Yeah, you got no. All right. So I guess you just get up and walk out if you sneeze. And how about this one? Cows pass gas. <laughs> Speaking gas. of passing gas. <laughs> so cows pass gas about 16 times a day. So there's your climate change problem. <laughs> there we go. Hey, Jess, uh, I've got a nugget today. How about that? All right. If you don't have anything nice to say, come sit by me. We'll make fun of people together. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you made it. Uh, well, put it this way. I made it through the day looking at you in your rant. So. All right. But that's okay. Yeah. It happens. It's, it's happened to me, too. Jess, run it back tomorrow? I will try. All right. That's the Hall of Famer. Stay tuned. Greeny coming up. Enjoy your Wednesday, everybody. Thanks for listening to our show.